This morning, Holy Spirit, we invite you in to this room. We invite you to speak to us, minister to us, open our heart, our eyes, our ears. We want you to really stamp us this morning with, with something that's meaningful to us and meaningful to you. We, we love you. We value your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we got some cool things to do this morning, and we're going to speak too. <laughs> so I, I want to pause for a minute just so I can get comfortable with the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's here. The worship was so good. Worship, thank you for visiting and, and worshiping with us, Peter and Leanne. It's pretty cool. Um, when, I, when I walked in, I was in the back, and God's, he, I was worshiping for a while, and he said, my glory's here. I'm like, huh, okay. I don't feel it. I don't see it, but I hear you. Like, and um, it's really an interesting life where God is always aware of everything that's happening, and we're very dull in senses, just by design, until our sentence are, sense, senses are heightened, kind of like Jesus's were heightened, right? It says when Jesus, um, he went to the temple and was dedicated as a baby, and then he spent the rest of his years growing and maturing in the ways of the Lord, and favor was on him, but there was a process of like all of his spiritual senses growing to the point where they were fully formed. And he was the fullest expression of what someone could do and live like if they were completely connected to the Holy Spirit and completely like in concert with him and able to just do what the Father would say they should do and to love in the way that people should be loved and to act in the way that we should act. And all of his disciples and all of the religious people would watch him and they were confused all the time. Why are you doing this? What, why would you say that? What were you doing? And Jesus would, he would teach and teach, but it, at times it would just flow right over them. And then years later, they'd come back and Jesus would say that. He's like, you guys will get this later. It's okay. And I just, I want to remind you guys, that's the life we're in. That's the, that's the spiritual journey God has invited you into. He knows your limitations in this moment. He's not upset with you. He's not frustrated by your lack of connection to his Holy Spirit or your perfect execution of his will. He's not watching you going, ah, once again, <laughs> missed, it, missed it. Let's try this. He doesn't do that. He's like, he knows exactly your skill set. He knows exactly your um, level of discipleship. Let's say it that way. Like how close you are with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and he's eager to bring you into a deeper place of connectivity to where when he's in the room, you're aware. And it's not just that you know he's there, it's that you know what to do differently than you would naturally. And I'll tell you guys, there's a huge difference between someone who's aware of God, knows about God, and someone who acts in, according, in accordance with the Spirit. You can know everything about the Bible, the most profound knowledge of the word. But if you don't partner with and, and walk in concert with the Holy Spirit, you're just, you're a, you're a big, beautiful bucket of knowledge. <laughs> it's beautiful. You're beautiful. And God's proud that you know so many things about him. But there's this other version of you that he's very eager to, to send out into the world. One who doesn't just know of him, but walks with him. And so when his glory's in the room, when he's in the room, I'm always asking, God, open my eyes, open my ears, and then open my heart so we can really just connect and, and act out of a place of unity. Because ultimately, that's what he's after. That's the manifestation of his kingdom on earth. So his glory comes, his presence from, the glory is like his presence from heaven comes onto earth, and you would think that would just change everything. Like flowers would start blooming. You know, like the Disney thing. It's like flowers start, his presence comes and flowers start blooming. Rain lightly falls and people smile and there's like rainbow. Everybody's happy. Oddly, his presence comes and then he waits for someone to partner with his presence and then be the hands and feet that act out the work that needs to be done here. And so for us, I don't want us to just be 
entertained by. That sounds negative, but we don't, I don't want us to be observing. We're not observers of him. We're, we're endeavoring to be empowered to do. We have to be doers. We gotta be, oh, we love you. We recognize you. I hear you. I see you. Now what can I do in, in conjunction with you? Like we need to get molded together. And so that's the, that's the spiritual journey. That's what we're doing together. And I'm just thankful that you guys are all on that same path in your own way. Always remember, this is not a complicated thing. It's an obedience thing. So my children learn by obeying, and I can give them access to more and more things because they learn to obey. It's like my, I took my daughter camping this last week. It was really fun. Me and Violet, the oldest, we went off-roading, four-by-four off-roading, and she was freaked out with that, but I was really happy. So she was like, can I get out of the car and walk ahead of you? I'm like, yeah, that's great, go for it. And so she walked ahead, and she'd be like, come on, and I'd, I'd drive the truck. And then once we got there, we, were, there was, we got to this beach on a lake. We were the only ones there at a campsite. It was so cool, and this was our daddy-daughter like adventure. Really, it's what I wanted to do. It was epic. She was like along for the ride. And so we, we got there, and she immediately, we get there at like 6 o'clock at night. By 7 o'clock at night, she has a swimsuit on. By 8 o'clock, she's in the water and swimming because it was warm and hot, and she was so happy. Um, but there was rules. It's like, you can go swim, but you're going to stay because she can't really swim yet. She's, she's an aspiring swimmer. She's not a good swimmer. She's a good swimmer with a full life vest on. She floats. Um, but she, like the... the you can go out basically as far as you can walk back in. That was, or I'll be out there with you, and I'll, we can go do whatever, but we're together. And as long as she obeys those directions, she's given a longer leash to do more. And it's really, really similar for us. God wants us to be active, activated, fully expressive, doing, and he wants us also to be safe and healthy and vibrant. And he knows that if, if, if we're disconnected from him, there's risk. If we're just learning about him and then trying to do, that's completely different than me standing in the water with her so that we're in a safe place to do. And so I, I want you guys to, I want you to invite God into a place of challenging you weekly to do. I want you to invite God into a place of challenging you weekly to do. Not just learn about, not just help you along in life. I want you to invite him to say, God, I wanna do whatever that means. I wanna go, and usually it involves people. Usually he's not sending you to a, a garden to go plant by yourself, and he's like, the kingdom has come, well done. You have, you have planted a garden, you spoke to no one, you did not, no one will ever see this garden. Um, and you're like, yeah, that, that's usually it's, okay, I want you to go to people, people. And so for all of us, we're on that same path. And you say, well, I, I marvel at these ones who hear God's voice and then go do miracles and great things. They are inspiring to me. The, the simple, simple fact on how that works is you ask him to speak to you. You ask for direction to do. And then whatever he says, you do it. And that over time grows to the point where you're safe to hear and you can go out into deep waters and do crazy things. But you're, you're in that rhythm of hearing his voice. We're close, we're connected, we're tied. And, and so what we do at church on Sunday is we practice. We're here to practice on a certain level. We're here to hear like, God, challenge me, speak to me. And so oftentimes it's really great when a sermon or someone's prayer for you confirms what God has already been speaking to you. That's a beautiful thing the Holy Spirit does. And so in a very mellow way, I want to say in the most intense mellow way is get after it and start asking him to challenge you. And just say yes. Just go try it. Do whatever it is he's, in, he's inviting you into and it will take you to great places. It'll be very, very cool. All right, so before we jump into the sermon today um, on the baby theme, Peter and Leanne, you got a baby coming. It's going to be very exciting. God is totally watching you guys. Um, I was trying to prepare this morning, and God was like, Peter and Leanne, 
Peter and Leanne. Peter and Leanne. I'm like, I, great. Peter and Leanne. <laughs> like, I got to talk in about an hour. You got anything to share other than Peter and Leanne? So the sermon is Peter and Leanne this morning. But just his overwhelming like joy over your life and what you guys have done in terms of dedicating yourself to the, the journey that he's kind of placed you on. He's so proud. He's so proud. And we all know this, and we get to celebrate this morning with the daily relays, and we get to say, like, God's great. He brought, you know, we got a little girl. It's all good. And, and for all of us to remember, God's ultimate gift is in children. Like, it's one of the highest gifts he gives. Now, not everybody has kids, and that's okay, but to remember that if God has that in, in mind for you, it is not just the desire of your heart, it's the desire of his. He's so excited for you as a couple. He's so excited for this next chapter of your life. So about this time next year, come back with that baby. It'll be good. You're welcome. That was a prophetic word, by the way, if you've never heard one of those. Sometimes those feel risky, but that one felt easy. So good job. Congratulations in advance. All right, let's talk about Abraham. Let's do it. Just outside the tent, Genesis 18. All right, next one. Let's do it. Did I, did I forget the little slide thing? All right. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. We have a lot. We're going to do the story today. This is a story, so we're going to kind of march through a story. So prepare yourself. Settle in. We're going to go through a story about Abraham. I know you've all heard it. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm talking about anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. All right. So the Lord appeared to Abraham. This is how chapter 18 starts. And it's obviously written after the fact. As you read the story, it isn't obvious that it's the Lord appearing to Abraham, and we'll get to that. But I want to point out one thing. There's a really significant commentary on this person of Abraham and the fulfillment of God's intention in his life that's highlighted in this very first verse of this God interaction. It's that he was in a certain place. And he wasn't in that place by choice, he was in that place by obedience. This place, Mamre, the Oaks of Mamre, this is years or, or seasons into Abraham following God on this journey out to a place that God had promised. And so I just, I try to put myself in the position of the Bible character when I'm reading about the character. I'm like, Abraham's life is so celebrated, but if you look at his journey and his path, it was so brutal, so challenging, and would I have been able to make these same decisions and choices? And I just, I want to encourage you guys, one of the most significant things you can do as a child of God who's endeavoring to be sent and go do and, and to be empowered by God and maybe see these wonderful things that he's put into your heart to do, the most significant the most significant is to be in the right physical place for life in that season that God has assigned you there. You say, well, I, I would rather just hear God and go wherever I want, and he can use me wherever I go. For example, I'd like to live in the nicest areas. I would like to attend my preferred school and then once I get done with that, I would like to work in a certain job, maybe at a place where they give certain benefits, like meals and vacation that's unlimited, and all my friends could work there too. God, doesn't that sound great? That would be great, and you can empower me while I'm there. In fact, I'll be bold and brave and courageous. I'll share your name. I'll lead Bible studies while I'm there. And for some of us, that may occur and we may find that in the midst of doing all these great things that we know God would like, there is no power and no life other than we know we're doing good things, although there's very little fruit. And sometimes, just sometimes, there's a correlation between us actually being in the wrong physical place, doing the wrong assignment at the wrong time, and we're stuck wondering, where is God? Why isn't he showing up? in all of these magical ways that I expected he would when I got to be this certain age. And, and you can not just apply it in the spiritual sense where it's like, I'm going to see God's hand working through me. You can apply it in the natural sense 
Like, where is my wife? I am really going to be a great husband someday. I've had a dream about my wife for years, and I am really attractive. (laughs) There is obviously no deficiency with me. I go to these churches I like to go to. I, I go to these social events I like to attend. And for some reason, I can't find this person anywhere. They don't exist. Now, rewind that story about me. I'm leaving the part out where God at a certain point was like, I'd prefer that you went to this church. And he was also like, I'd prefer that you don't take that job. And I also leave out the part where he's like, yeah, that friend of yours, just for a season, let's take a break. Well, see, that part of the story gets smashed, and then I, because I am in control, get really loud, and I'm like, I deserve this promise that God has made me, when in truth, God is like, you can't have my promises unless you obey me, because my promises come on the other side of obedience. They never come because you make your life and then ask me to bless it. They come because you surrender your life and then I bless it. And see, it's really hard at times because we get a dream that God actually puts in there. He'll put dreams in us and he'll say like, Vince, you're going to have an awesome family. You're going to have all these beautiful kids and you're going to maybe minister in a church and you're going to have all the stuff you need and at, and at that time in your life, none of those things are there. None of those things are there. But that God dream is there. And so the period between when that dream is delivered and it actually shows up, God is always in the process of saying, what kind of soldier do I have? What type of warrior ha- has enlisted in my army? Is it one that just randomly you know, in the morning goes, hey, I know we're all going out to exercise this morning, but I'm going to sleep in. I know my whole squad that I'm here with, every morning at 5 a.m., we go for a three-mile jog. But I'm smarter than that. I'll do it at night when I want to. You guys go ahead. And God is there. He's like, yep, there's Vince again. That's Vince. He's just stubborn to the core and not yielded. I can't give him the full like, influence and responsibility and version of his life until that core thing changes. What better way to change that core thing in him than to send him over here to this physical place? Maybe that physical place is the Oaks of Mamre, which happens to be in the desert The children of Israel camped there when they were out in the wilderness for 40 years. So years later, this is a location in the desert in the middle of nothing that God in his design had led Abraham to the same guy he had promised, you're going to have nations. You're going to have thousands of, of descendants. You are going to basically be king. And Abraham's like, this sounds great. I'm willing to move. And God's like, here we go out into the desert, this very small place. Now, if you're anything like me, at certain seasons in your life, you've, you've been so excited about the dream and hope of God. But then fast forward to this, this moment where you know that dream and hope of God was real, but your life has gone in this completely other path. And usually it involves people, and usually it involves disappointment, And usually, if not always, it involves some level of confusion where you're like, how does this dream that I said yes to, and I was really obedient when I said yes, like you said this dream is for you. I'm like, that dream? Yes, that's awesome. I'll sign up for that. See what a good Christian I am? All right. And then I have all this life where all of these things happen, and I find myself here near this tree in the middle of the desert. And God's like, you're right where you need to be. And that's all he'll say. And you're forced to make a decision. Do I agree? Or do I say, this has been fun, but I know where civilization is. It's right over there. I'm going to walk my family and go get a job over there. I can't live here in a tent 
in this small, small isolated location if life and all the promise is obviously living right over there? I'll tell you, this is, this is a natural process in God's pruning and, and um, like his craftsmanship of humanity. He uses these places in our lives, and they're physical places. When I describe them as a physical place, how many friends did Abraham have at this location in the desert? <laughs> I don't think he had any. He had his wife there, and she was bitter by the time they are there. I, I promise, we'll get to it. She's not cool. She's not in a happy place. She's out there like, here we are. Things are not going as promised, Abraham. We left everything, and we had some things, and now we're out here. This doesn't feel like God, and it certainly doesn't feel good. Abraham was so alone. So, so, so alone. But there was a difference in him in this really deep core place. And this deep core place is what I want to point to in you. And I want to say, like, each of you has a deep core place. And that's what God looks at, and that's who he sees when he interacts with you. Sometimes it's like we're disobedient, we do silly things, but it's really much, very much on the surface. When God sees me and he sees you, he looks way past that. You remember Saul being chosen versus David and Samuel's like, God doesn't see as man sees. He doesn't just look at all of this, but this, is, this level oftentimes is just superficial. It's the core of who you are that's fighting and warring for that word of faith that God put into your life, that dream that he put into your life, that core place that's almost silent, but it's deep in there. That's what he looks to and he goes, great man of faith, great woman of faith. And so for, for our challenge this morning, we're inviting God to take us to great places. We're inviting God to birth great things in us. And so what is required is the same for Abraham as it was for us. And so I want to walk through some of his process, and not just Abraham's process, but he has this partner named Sarah. And Abraham ends up becoming a little more famous than Sarah, although Sarah's story is pretty interesting. And so they together, they're one, they're married, they go on a journey away from everything to follow God. That was step number one in this amazing story. All right, so we're out there. We're in the desert. We went to the place he told us. And I would just say many of you are there today. And, I, and I, I, can I say this part of it? It's healthy to ask the Lord, am I in the right place right now? It's not healthy to ask the Lord the day after he said, yes, am I still in the pl right place right now? And you get to where you're basically begging him to get off the boat. Like, I know I'm on the right boat. It's going somewhere. I don't know where. Can I get off now? I know you said this is good. It's really better to hear him, get confirmation, and then settle in. Embrace it. Allow him to do the full work because there's that process of resistance that's in you in that deep place. When it's yielded, it's worked. And then he can take you to the next chapter. But if it's resistance in the deep place, you're like, I'm physically here. I come here. I go to work there. I, I hang out with the people you hung out with. Yeah, but your heart is like in some other place. Your heart's like, I can't wait to get a new set of friends. These guys are awful. Like Your heart is like, this job is terrible. You guys, you understand that there's this, there has to be an agreement in the core part of you where you settle. And so sometimes the manifestation of disagreement is anxiousness. There's this deep well of anxiety in you, and you're like, I have no idea what's wrong. But really there's just an unsettledness with God's seasonal assignment. And if you could just slow yourself down and embrace the assignment, embrace the condition of the place you're in, waterless, dry desert, and go, God is faithful. I don't know what he's working, but he's working. Then you sound like Abraham. There's a difference. All right, let's go to the next one. So this is, this is Hebrews' commentary on what we just read. Hebrews says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So he did it. He obeyed. And he set out not knowing where he was going. What a, what a hard assignment. What a strange story. 
Truthfully, many of our stories are that way. It just hasn't seemed so dramatic. No one was comment, commenting on your life, but you took a certain job, you accepted a certain um, scholarship, you went a certain way because you felt like it, you should, because it felt like God was behind it, but you didn't know, but you were, you were starting a long journey. You are that person of faith, just like him. So he, he did what he was asked to do, he obeyed, and he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land living in tents. So just that picture I want cemented into your head. This, this agreement that you have with God doesn't guarantee certain things that you have in mind that go with the vision he's placed in your heart. And it's really important that you, you are not God in the relationship where you say, I must have these things in order for me to continue to follow you. And therefore, your prayer life becomes a manipulation of like, I must, you must want me to have these things because this was your vision after all. He knows you don't have them yet. He's waiting for surrender. He's good. He's God. I agree. I can wait. I can wait. I can wait. And Abraham does this for almost a lifetime. He's out in the desert in tents. And the Bible says not in physical structures. He didn't have a place, a physical home. He had tents that were mobile, and he was okay with it because he believed that God could do what he said he would do. All right, so let's keep going. So good job, Abraham. You went to the right place. Turn to your neighbor. Say, are you in the right place? You can say it with a question mark. Are you in the right place? Are you sure? You can say, are you sure? That's good. Yeah, all right. Let's go to the next slide. All right, so he's in the right place. So say, I'm in the right place. All right, he looks up. He's sitting in a hot day. The Bible, if the Bible says it's hot, it was probably really hot. These are Israelites, Jewish people in Israel. It's hot there to begin with. They're saying it was hot. All right, so this was really hot. And he's in his tent. He looks up, and he sees three men standing near him. Okay, you're out in the middle of a desert, and all of a sudden you see three men standing near you. And it surprises, it, how did they get, that should concern you a little bit. Wake up, wake up, wake up. All right, when he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and he bowed down to the ground. This is just a quick picture of the right posture when we figure out who God, who Abraham is interacting with. There was something in him, even though he was, if I'm out there, if I'm in the middle of an assignment that I'm like, I'm just tired of being here. This is brutal. I'm ready for the next thing. I don't have a lot of common courtesy and like, like I want to be a host and I want, I'm, I'm here to serve you. In fact, it usually turns the opposite. You get grouchy and frustrated and you're like, can somebody take care of me for a change? And, and Abraham is like, he's running to serve and to do all the customary things to bless somebody else. If I'm him, I'm like, I'm in need. Hopefully these guys are bringing me water. It's the opposite. All right, so he bows down. Another thing he did well. Good job. Let's go to the next one. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. This whole sermon's for you too, by the way. I'm like, I'm, he started talking to you, and then he told me about this. So maybe this is just for you guys, and the rest of you are like, I'm not sure why I'm here. But just take this one to heart. Let's just pull out all the intensity about Sarah, though. We don't have one of those situations. You guys are great. Let's pretend that's for somebody else. Okay, so he says, where's your wife? And in due season, I'll come back, and she's going to have a baby. All right, does this happen to you guys normally? Like, do you, have, do you come across strangers, and they're like, hey, where's, how's your family? Well, this is going to happen. This is not normal. I'm pointing this out. This is not normal. We read the Bible, we're like, good story, good story, that was cool. Three guys walk up to a tent in the desert, and one goes, hey, where's your wife, Sarah? Okay, I thought that was a weird question. Okay, Abraham. It's like, uh, she's in the tent over there. Cool, she's going to have a baby about this time next year. Does Abraham know how old he is? Yes. Does he know how old his wife is? Yes. All right. Go to the next slide. And Sarah, they're in red. 
was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Okay, let's go to the next one. We're going to talk about Sarah. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. All right, that's blunt. They were just old. Uh, advanced in age, actually. That's more than old. That's advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. That's post-menopause. That means she can't physically have babies anymore. That's a normal thing, guys. Don't worry about it. It's all, that's one of the blessings of being a man. You have no concern with those things, but it's a real thing, I think. And uh, it's real? All right. We got, <laughs> it's real. So this is, this is older. Older. All right. Let's keep going. So Sarah laughed to herself. All right, guys, this, this right here and what's going to come, this next scripture after this, is the core of this whole message. And the core of this whole message isn't that God is a miracle worker, although he is. The core of the message isn't that you need to get God's voice to know what job you should take and be on the right assignment. The core of the message is the inner dialogue and the core, this core, deep conversation that goes on with just you. With just you. See, the strange part of this interaction that Abraham and Sarah have with these three men is these three men are obviously coming from another place. They're obviously aware of things that most people aren't aware of. Remember the first verse that we started out with? It said, the Lord appeared to Abraham. If you didn't have that first verse, you'd have no idea. You would just think three guys show up and one says some things. And if you're Abraham and Sarah, three guys just showed up, and one said some weird things. He ignored how old my wife was <laughs> and said she's going to have a baby. She's old, but they're three guys. I don't think they understand yet that it's the Lord. I don't think that Abraham and Sarah understand that it, the three guys represent the Lord, right? Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You guys heard of them? I don't think they understand that because they were in the right place, these three guys, while on their way to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, stopped because the tent was in the right place. God had come down from heaven to work justice on earth. He had seen Sodom and Gomorrah and what was happening in that city. He was on a mission to clean up the earth. And while on a mission, there was one who was obedient and in the right place, assigned by the Spirit of God to a certain location. So when they came walking by, they were inclined to stop. See, I think oftentimes we think of God's interaction in our life as a right, an obligation, or a, or a gift of his that he's always just waiting to give us the right instruction. And I, I think that that is true for those who are babies. But I think there's a point of maturity where you begin to obey and walk with the Lord. And if you don't continue to obey and truly walk with the right posture in your heart, you won't be in the place you need to be in order for that interaction to occur that absolutely changes your life and destiny forever. You get, it's not a mystery. I, th I think it's really obvious to us that most Christians in the world don't do much other than have a life that's Christian by definition, where they abstain from certain things or they kind of understand other certain things. It's, it's not a coincidence that Abraham was held up as a hero of his faith. And all of the disciples and all the different ones in the New Testament and throughout the Bible who we celebrate and we say these were great people of faith, they were crazy obedient. They were just obedient way, 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 way beyond reason. They were obedient beyond reason. They agreed with God to go places and do things that they knew didn't make any sense. And see, Abraham was out there with his whole family, all that he owned and all that he had, in the middle of nowhere, saying to himself, 
I'm doing what God wants me to do. There was agreement at the core of who he was in spite of all the obvious natural things that were going on. So here we turn, and we have Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Sarah's a little more like you and me. Sarah's like, I love Abraham. He's amazing. He has this great, crazy faith. He's crazy. But I'm his wife, and I can't escape. That's Sarah. She looks at him, and she's like, I'm along for the ride. We're in this. But there's a reality to things that Sarah is connected to in a higher measure than she's connected to the faith of things. And you go, Sarah was probably just wise. She's probably normal in her thinking. Abraham was crazy. (laughs) He was out in the middle of the desert with his family with nothing. That's not normal. God wouldn't do that. Sarah is more reasonable. She's faithful. She's she's yielded. But in her heart, she's like, reality's rough. I believe in God, but this God that Abraham's working with, and she hasn't even got to the part where he tries to sacrifice Isaac yet. Let's, Let's forget that. But there's this other thing going on with Abraham. And I just, I want to invite you guys to a place that I'm inviting myself to. I have to begin to become more like Abraham and less like Sarah. They're the same person, after all. They're married. Two become one. They're the same person. There's a side of Abraham and Sarah, the, 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 the united being of marriage, where they both can lean into great faith. But there's also a side where they're pulled toward just the reality of what's going on, going, gosh, does any of this make sense? And so let's look at what Sarah says in her heart. And let's ask ourselves the question, would we say the same things? Obviously, yes. So you're not going to get that test question wrong. But the question I have for you is, are you saying it at this level? Or are you saying it in here? Are you accepting this turmoil and anxiety of of really deeply disagreeing with God's idea so much so that it manifests in ways like this? She begins to laugh. So let's see this. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? You know that laughter is kind of like involuntary. You notice that? My kids do this thing where they laugh on purpose, and it's the most bizarre. Like, like, it's like, that's not a laugh. Stop. Like, it, it, just, it doesn't feel right. It's not good. They think it's funny, and it's like, oh, no, don't. It's just really loud and obnoxious. But when they laugh, like, with, like, really from their heart, or just, like, laughter is not something you just go, hey, laugh. Like, I'm sorry, you're a guest. I don't, you're not a guest. I don't know you, but I'm not, like, like, don't. I can't just say laugh, and you just do it. It's something that, it's, it's in here. It's deep in here. And so Sarah laughs to herself. It's like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, oh, does he know how old I am? That's what she says. Like, does he, do these people know, these three guys, who are they? It doesn't matter. This is crazy. Go to the next slide. The Lord said, okay, so now it's the Lord. Suddenly we've shifted into like identifying who's speaking. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is any, and this is her talking to Abraham. You think he would say, Sarah, why did you laugh? No, he says, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Almost as if, they're not, why aren't, why aren't you as a family on the same page? What is it in her that allowed her to do that? Abraham didn't laugh. Sarah laughed. There's a difference. 
But there's not a disconnection here. The, the, the angel of the Lord and the Lord, they, they continue this interaction. It says, why did she laugh? After all, is there anything too hard for God? That verse is, is a great verse. It's an important verse. And it's actually a verse, if you understand Christianity in its totality, that's at the center. It's almost like the root of all of God's interaction with humanity. Is there anything that's too hard for him? Is there anything that's bigger or outside of the reach of God? That's the core question. And that's why the Lord is turning to Abraham saying, why did she laugh? She doesn't understand the core question. She actually has the wrong answer to the core question in her. And laughter, and it's a negative laughter, it's not a positive laughter. It's a, <laughs> it's a, that's, I used to, I, I was in a business meeting once with a boss, and he was telling me something that was going wrong with the business, and I laughed. And he goes, that's not funny. And, and I was like, and I was thinking to myself, why did I just laugh, number one? And number two, he's right. And number three, now I'm really uncomfortable. I don't know what's, what to do here. Um, but my reaction to a situation that was uncomfortable was laughter. But it's not like, ah, this is so entertaining. It was discomfort. It was like inside here something came out and it exposed, oh, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And so God turns to Abraham and he says, at the core of Sarah, she doesn't understand the answer to is anything too wonderful for the Lord. At the set time, I will return to you in due season. He says, this, he says two things there. At the set time, in due season. He's like, I have a specific time. I am in control. Do you understand? I will be back, and Sarah will have a son. It's not a question. The question was about what's going on with her. Because I have promised you and for some reason, the two of you aren't on the same page, which means, Abraham, there's a part of you that's not on the same page, although I'm identifying it because it's manifesting in her. But Sarah denied. Good move, Sarah. This is, like, at this point, like, just, just stop. Like, this is bad, bad all the way around. She denied. I did not laugh because she was afraid. That's the reason she says, says this. And he said, oh, yes, you did laugh. And that's the end of the interaction here. And I'm like, oh, this is intense. And it was intense. Like, can you imagine Jesus? Because that's who this was. Manifesting, they didn't know who it was. But it's the Lord. It's the king of all creation sitting with you saying, she's going to have a wife. <laughs> I don't think he'd say that. He's sitting with you saying, she's going to have a child. And you go, great. And you're like, it's just not going to happen. And there's this intensity that starts to like go in this interaction. It's like no nonsense. It's why did she laugh? And he's looking at him, but talking about her. You're going to have this kid and it'll happen at the time I say it's going to happen. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for God? And I, I just, I think sometimes we don't understand the significance of agreement and obedience. We also don't understand the depth of commitment and, that agreement really requires. It's not here. It's not like, I took the job, you told me to take the job. It's like, no, did you take the job with the spirit of agreement with me where you were doing what you were assigned to do, and that's the highest worth and highest value. Abraham, did you go to the desert because I told you to go to the desert? Yes, I did. Did you agree with my assignment in the desert? Were you present in the desert? Were you searching and looking with great joy and anticipation so when I came on the horizon, you looked up and you were ready to serve? Or was I able to just walk right by and you had no idea because you were internal looking down. You looked up. That's good. Your eyes were up. You weren't down. There's a great, the, the worth of this concept is the highest worth there is in Christianity because it's the foundation of all of our faith. 
Let's go to the next slide. This is what happens. The Lord dealt, so this, let's continue the story just so you guys can see how it goes. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he said, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. So he did it on time. He did it with Sarah, not somebody else. And it was exactly as promised. Abraham, Abraham gave the name Isaac, which means laughter, to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. All right, that's the rest of that story. Go to the next slide. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. See, I, I read this, and I think there's multiple ways to read this. I read this, and I'm like, this is her version of, of, of trying to like get, on, get on the page. She's now saying, like, look, it's laughter. Hey, it's a good thing, right? And it was God's idea to call him laughter. It's a joyful laughter. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a redemptive story. But there's something here. It's like, who would have thought that I would have given birth? Well, that's what God said. I think everyone thought that you were going to give birth. Why is, it a, why is this? There's something odd about the way she's interacting on this to me. Keep going. Hebrews. This is the Hebrews commentary on what happens for this childbirth portion of the story. It says, by faith he, so who's that? Abraham. I wish it said he and she, but it doesn't. And I don't think it's the inclusive he and she. I think it's Abraham was carrying the faith load for the family. And I, I, as an aside, I want you guys to understand your willingness to obey and agree with God in faith is enough to carry your family. It's enough for you to stand in the gap. Each person has to make an individual decision. However, with Abraham and Sarah, the purpose for Sarah was accomplished because Abraham had great faith. You guys get that? It's, it's significant, and I think at times we get really stuck because we're like, God, you're not turning the heart of my most important person, whether it's family or whatever. And God's like, I'm talking to you. And he doesn't say, I'm going to cover them. He says, I'm talking to you, which implies that he understands that your weight and your faith are able to do more, I think, than you understand and you believe. So, so here, Abraham's faith allowed him to receive power of procreation. That's a cool one. I haven't seen that before. None of you have prayed for that. Can I have the power of procreation, Lord? If you need to pray for that, it's a good day to pray for it. All right, so by faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old. And Sarah herself was barren because he considered him faithful who had promised. So what Abraham did right, he considered God faithful and God had made the promise. So Abraham's idea about God is what gave him the power of procreation. Something important to, to note there. Therefore, from one person... I wish he said two, but remember marriage, you're two become one. This is Abraham and Sarah, but it's really Abraham's faith. So from one person, his faith, and this one as good as dead. So who's as good as dead? Abraham. That's how old he was. This is, this is Paul in Hebrews saying, the guy was basically dead, <laughs> but he still got it done, right? So therefore from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born. That's not my translation either. That's like the actual New Revised Standard Version. All right, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. Let's go to the next verse, next slide. Okay, I'm crushing you guys with scripture. You good? All right, don't quit. All right, for this reason, this is now Romans' commentary on the same story. All right, so let's let Romans tell us about what happened here. For this reason, it depends on faith. So this is talking about the law and faith, and it's basically saying this is what, what happened with Abraham. To those who share the faith of Abraham in the presence of the God in whom he believed, this, so it's referring to that story, who gives life to the dead 
and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Okay, this is, this is really important. It's saying Abraham believed that something that couldn't happen was going to happen. It's the foundation of our faith. This is the core of our faith, is that the God who can intervene and make things happen that aren't supposed to be able to happen. Abraham was hoping against hope. He believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken, focus in on this, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. Look at your body. See, you're pretty good body. I believe in you. He, he didn't let his age and his body weaken his faith. That's a fact. It wasn't like, oh, I'm getting older. This is looking like it ain't going to happen. It was like, oh, I'm getting older. This is going to be awesome. That's, that's where his head was. All right, so he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead. There's my favorite, favorite. So that's my, if you're going to memorize scripture, remember that one. Already as good as dead. For he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So he thought about his own body. He's like, I'm 100. Somehow God's going to make this work. This is epic. And he's like, she is as barren as this desert that I'm assigned to out here. Doesn't seem to matter. God's awesome. That was Abraham's perspective on the whole thing. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. All right. Every single one of you and if, has, has God-designed intention. He has dreams that he's put in your life. If you don't have those dreams, please let us pray for you. Basically, in my view, when you surrender your heart to God, you're adopted into his family, he begins to in, inject hope, life, and dreams into us for the future. He doesn't say, good, thanks for coming to my family, thanks for giving me your life, you're gonna die soon, it's gonna be awesome. That He says, the rest of your life, I have purpose and I have plans. And so those dreams, all of us have dreams. And if you don't, you've got to just keep renewing them with prayer and with, with interaction with hope in God. But those dreams are out ahead of you. Your responsibility is to keep faith towards those dreams. And it says it in the most plain of ways in that last scripture down there at the bottom. It says he grew strong in that faith. So how do I hold on to the faith to accomplish the dream or to participate in the dream God had in mind? He grows strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So in spite of how old he was, as old, almost dead, he, he celebrated God. So if I'm him, I wake up every day on the desert floor and I'm like, this is brutal, I'm sore. I'm sore than I was five years ago. I'm getting really old. Do I, do I meditate on that age and how the, there's a disconnect between the age and the, the baby's coming? Or do I say, therefore, God, I give you praise. I believe in you. You are glorious. You are good. Some of you are like, I believe I'll have a family. And every day you get up and you look in the mirror and you're like, there's nobody in this apartment but me. It's going to be tough. <laughs> Don't know where this family's coming from. The choice is either to go into that place of Sarah-like laughter where you're at your core going, eh, must not be real. There's, it's just not real. Or you go into this place of Abraham-like praise and you go, eh, I'm the only one in this room now. You just wait. God's going to send them somehow. God, you are big. You are capable and you are good. I believe you. I believe you. And in doing that, your faith actually grows. You have authority over the faith in your life. You're responsible to, to feed it by celebrating God, but you're also capable of killing it by looking at the natural circumstances going, man, everything's lining up in the opposite. This doesn't feel like it's going that way. Maybe I never heard right, or maybe this isn't gonna happen in my lifetime. So you have a choice. All right, let's go to the last one. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. So this is the story of Abraham. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe. I'm going to skip this last part. Is that the last slide? Yeah. 
but this, this is deep, this whole thing here, but the idea is Abraham believed, and God watched his belief, and he's like, this guy out here, he left everything like we told him to. He lived out in the desert. We told him he was going to have a kid naturally, and he believed it, and he just kept believing every time we'd tell him anything. This, this faith is so great, we're going to call it good. We're going to erase all of the unrighteousness. Righteousness is the separation from God. If you're not righteous, you aren't in right standing with God. And so God overlooked his unrighteousness and said his faith is going to make him righteous. I'm going to bring him into my heart, like into my family. I'm going to adopt him as my own in spite of the sin that's obviously there. I'm going to, his faith is just, just so great, I'm going to pull him in. And this scripture says, this same process where his faith allowed him to be brought into God is available to all of us. And that's what our responsibility is towards Jesus. So if we can believe in Jesus' work, God will bring us in just like he did with Abraham. So I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. It's, it's a, the foundation of our faith, the cornerstone of like reconciliation and all those things. But just to understand your willingness to go with God with absolute abandon, your willingness to like internally look and go at the core of me, am I in agreement? Is there a really beautiful agreement here? Or is, this, is there like this kind of just wrestling that's inside of here that I can't get the logic and the rational stuff small enough for the faith to be the real centerpiece of who I am? That's the battle. And I just want you guys to know, as you endeavor towards faith for great outcomes in the, in the midst of maybe a desert season or confusion or challenge, you're, you're going down the same path that Abraham went down. And that's God's excitement and his design for you. And I want you to know that you're in good company. And I want you to know that as you do it each day, as you surrender your idea for yourself and you just go where he tells you to go, and you do what he tells you to do, sometimes in spite of that dream, sometimes it feels as if as I obey God, I'm actually going in the opposite direction of all the things he's put in my heart to do. Realize that he's after your obedience because it's those people of faith where their faith is that big that he can entrust with great things. And I just really believe for you guys that he has huge intentions to entrust you with a lot. He's not, he's not looking at you and being quiet and, and watching you in a desert place going, oh, they deserve that. He's like, I sent them there. I'm preparing them for greatness. And so just embrace it. Just know the, the confusion, the different challenges of your season. Sometimes God is standing just outside of your view, but he's going to step into it, and this, this process is going to begin where he speaks again to the dream that's in your heart and says, see, it's going to happen now. Time, it, time's up. You've been faithful to go where I told you to go. You've been faithful to yield. And sometimes that's all is required. Just yield. And then be con conscious of that heart of yours. Sarah was probably a beautiful person. You're a beautiful person, but there's a part of you at times that can kind of rear up and just go, ah, this doesn't make sense. He doesn't make sense. I wanted to live in the city, not in the desert. <laughs> I don't like tents. Tents are brutal. Like, and, and guys, that's normal, that's human, but don't let that normal human override this faith that God is actually trying to invite you into because there's salvation in that faith. There's great healing and hope in that faith, not just for you. Remember the outcome with Abraham's family and, and Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham got to intervene because he was in the right place with the right posture. Otherwise, they never would have stopped. Lot would have been gone. There was a whole part of his family and his, his bloodline that would have been erased. But he was faithful, and he was in the right position. So there's great consequence to all of this. There's great weight on all of you. And so when God comes at the beginning of a service and says, um, I was like, somebody started playing piano? That's awesome. Altar call time. Heck yeah. <laughs> Old school altar call. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to set the mood and bring you guys up. Um, when God says, like, my glory's here in a room, and, and he invites us into his presence, he knows exactly what's going on in your life. He's completely aware of every question, concern, challenge. All he's looking for is the, 
the yes, God, let me step deeper into agreement with you. Like, let me step into a place where I can sense you and I can follow you. And then as you do that, it gets to where you're able to do crazy things. Abraham went so far with his faith. You would think this would have been enough. It gets to the point where Abraham's like, you want me to sacrifice Isaac? Okay, we can do that too. Like his faith overrode his logic so dramatically that a nation was founded after him. That's the father of our faith. It's a beautiful story. And so I just want to encourage you guys, raise your expectations today that he's going to begin calling you and speaking to you in ways that, that challenge you. He's going to ask you and invite you into things that are, that are bigger and more challenging. But there, there's faith coupled with his direction will always equal absolutely amazing results. And so for you today, like, let's, just, let's invite that. And I want to do that together. I want us to take a minute and pray. And I, I want to invite him to expose the Sarah in us and highlight the Abraham in us because they're both in you. And we want to surrender that instinct that's just so logic-focused and start to embrace this instinct that says, God, give me greater faith. Give me greater assignments. Help me to be in a great place of agreement with you about my physical location, the assignments I'm on, and the fulfillment of the dreams you've put in my heart because after all, they were your words. You're big enough to make these things happen. So, Father, we just come to you kind of humbly today. We don't deserve. We don't deserve. But you have made us so that you're pleased with great dreams and great hopes for our lives. God, I just pray for each person in this room today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come, first of all, with your peace and just rest on each one. Any spirit of accusation, any spirit of um, ins like insecurity or failure, that just has to go. God is not condemning you. He's not concerned with failures today. So if that's a voice that's loud for you that says, I'm not qualified, you have permission to tell that voice to go. That is not true. Jesus has qualified you. So, F Father, we ask that as your children, you would just stir faith again this morning towards great outcomes. Stir faith towards the great dreams you have for our lives. And we just surrender our Sarah-like instincts where we constantly look at the natural and we say we will look up to you in faith, coming on the horizon with great expectation, knowing that if it's you, God, anything can happen. There's nothing too wonderful for you. There's nothing bigger than you, God. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin to plant dreams in each of our hearts again. Some of you have to start dreaming about having a family again. You have to surrender the disappointments of the past, and you have to say, God, if it's your design, I want to be open-hearted and open-minded to your plans of great joy and fulfillment in the days that are ahead of me. And for some of us, that would take more faith to agree with that than to agree with being without a family for the rest of our lives. So I want to stir up greater faith in you for greater outcomes. For those of you who want children and you're not in a position to have children, you believe if God has put those, in your, those dreams in your heart and your mind that he is big enough to come alongside you and to make those things happen. And God, we just celebrate today how wonderful you are. You're a miracle-working God. Connect us again today to a God that's bigger than everything we face. There will be no fear, no anxiety, no stress or strain in walking towards great, miraculous, wonderful things with you because you're that big. We can rely on you. We can believe in you just like Abraham did, and it will be good. Guys, for some of you, it's this is the last kind of prompt in your interaction with God. You, um, you have dreams that are so strong, like you have a vision for your life and what you want to do and what it's supposed to look like. And it may have been God birthed, but it's so strong that God has invited you into a desert 
seemingly desert season where you're not doing or experiencing the things that that dream in your heart would say is necessary. It's creating so much tension between you and God. It's, it's, it's like a fight, your will over his, your will over his. He's never going to forget his dreams for you. He's just interested in you being yielded. You being able to say, anywhere you want me to go, I know that's best. And I yield. I am not king, you're king. And so I just invite each of us in the, in the most humble of ways to lay our dreams at his feet and say, I surrender these dreams, but I also believe that if they're your dreams, you'll make them come to pass. It's not my doing, it's just my surrendering that causes me to be in agreement with you and for miracles to happen. And so, Father, I just pray that each one here that's, that's just been bound by different things whether it's uh, dreams that they've had or dreams that someone else has put on them, that they're able to surrender those things to you. They're also able to surrender disappointments, feelings of failure or inconsistencies in their life. They're just able to lay those at your feet. And God, you just bring new life, new peace and new joy to them this morning. And God, let them leave with great hope and an eagerness to see you, an eagerness to hear you, and an eagerness for your word to go back into your word to pursue you. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, guys. That was a long one, but I feel way better. I hope you guys feel <laughs> No, I love you guys. Thanks so much for, for being here. It's very mellow right now. That's okay. It's peaceful. Hang out with some people. Give somebody a hug. Um, thanks for coming. We love you.